Hello, everyone. Do you think you could ever do a Nuzlocke? No, I don't think so. And welcome to episode 98 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, I'm joined by my Pokemon-obsessed brother-in-law, Ryan. Uh, yeah, no, I've never played Pokemon. I'm only a Nexamon person, or Digimon, or maybe Yu-Gi-Oh. Fuck Pokemon. Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 98 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, I am joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law. Ryan, what's going on, my man? I'm doing good. Um, yeah, The Mandalorian season two finale aired yesterday, which was amazing. So that's kind of the plan for today. Let's talk about that. As far as life stuff, I have off starting next Thursday for like two weeks. Do you really? Yes. Oh, that's for right. shutdown. You have shutdown. Lauren doesn't have that luxury anymore. Yeah. So games and stuff. Um, Just lots of video games. Yeah, it should be a good time. And then uh, you guys nearly got robbed. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to homeownership. Yeah, yay. Uh, Yeah, so maybe back up. We'll talk about the what we're planning to discuss today on the show as we get ever so closer to episode one hundred cliffhanger. (laughs) We will. Yeah. Yeah. Did we get murdered? Did we not? No. By the end of the episode. Oh man, those audio levels. Gotta love them. Anyways, uh, yeah, so today we are going to cover The Mandalorian Season 2, where we think the future of Star Wars is going to go, all that fun stuff. We'll cover that in the back end of the show, though, just to avoid spoiler territory. Ryan and I will probably do some rough, spoiler-free impressions, and then we will get into the spoiler-filled show of the podcast. But again, all of that good stuff will be noted in the show notes below. So definitely do not listen to the back half if you've not watched The Mandalorian Season 2. Obviously, if you have a passive interest or you're not interested in Star Wars at all, not going to make a difference, but I think you do not want to have some of the stuff that goes on in Season 2 spoiled for you. I'm sure many have because typically what's trending on Twitter or an IGN article or what have you spoils that stuff, but it's good and you do not want it spoiled for big Star Wars It really pisses me off going through YouTube where they put up the big like spoiler in the freaking like thumbnail yeah they're like oh this character's revealed and like spoiler free you're like oh god frick well that's the sad thing all people care about now is getting clicks and having that thumbnail picture that's really going to draw an audience and there's just no no care for you know the the good people anymore yeah you know it's all about getting clicks and all that monetization money but that's not what we're about we are here to talk about life stuff as we always do we'll kick off the show just Chat about the things that we have been doing in the past week. Ryan alluded to something rather large that I will get to here shortly. And then we'll talk about the games that we have been playing recently and Mando in the back half. Going to be a chill show. We didn't have a whole lot planned. And then next week, episode 99, we'll do our Otaku Brothers Merry Christmas Holiday Special. As we do every year, Ryan and I are going to exchange gifts, sit around the fire, sing carols, watch Home Alone, eat Christmas cookies together. Yeah, drink some seasonal nog. Mm, it's going to be tasty. going to be tasty, comfy times. And then episode 100, of course, will be the Community Game of the, Award, Game of the Year Awards special, which I'm very excited about. And if you have not voted yet, I'll remind you at the end of the show, but I'll remind you again now to get in the Discord, click that link, vote 
for the five unique awards that we have or go to our Twitter account and vote there. Yeah, if it comes up that it doesn't let you through, like you get a 404 message, it's probably going through. Um, that happened to me, and I resubmitted like three times, so I, I've technically voted like three times. So Yeah, so you and Chrono, I think, accidentally voted a couple different times. I just made sure I read through all of your responses to make sure I had the most up-to-date. I wasn't leaving anything out, and I just deleted the other ones because... Okay. But I think I got the true submission from both you and Chrono, so no issues there, and I'm very excited to read through those on episode 100 of the podcast. It should be really good times, and actually, I'm cooking up something else that I think should be a fun little surprise for the listeners, you, Ryan, and us to just reminisce about where Otaku Brothers' humble beginnings were and where they've come to now. Yeah, sounds like fun. Basically a train wreck, but it should be awesome. <laughs> Dude, have we had fun at all? <laughs> this is, I mean, just audio problems after audio problems. Just, just no fun. It's painful to People talk to you. People suck. Discord, yeah. yeah. Join uh, talk about this. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you talked about it. So Lauren and I had kind of our first homeownership scare really this morning. So we have a Facebook group for kind of our neighborhood that talks Really, it's a place for people to share like, hey, I have a lawnmower for sale or, um, you know, there's a, a community garage sale thing going on. Just a place for people to kind of talk about what are the local happenings in our neighborhood. Well, this morning there was an unfortunate one where I think late last night there was a break in and then at around six o'clock this morning there was another break in. And the scary thing, I mean, obviously home invasion is freaky as it is, but this person at six o'clock in the morning, got into the car, broke into the car of someone on their driveway, grabbed the garage door opener, clicked that, went through the garage, that door was unlocked. Then they took a bunch of stuff while this man was in the shower and his kids were like sleeping in bed. Yeah, that's terrifying. And so fortunately, and this actually is going to tie into this morally ambiguous question that I have for you, Ryan. Uh, a local or a neighbor of mine, really sweet lady, she stopped by and said, hey, there's a package here that uh, was delivered to the prior owner. She let us know that she accidentally sent it to this house and she's going to come and pick it up tomorrow. Do you mind if I take it? Because we're friends. And I said, yeah, not a big deal. Um, but she kind of warned me that, hey, this is this is going on. So just be mindful of that. Yeah. And it's freaky. You know, Lauren and I, we're going to have to get a security system. We're definitely going to get the motion sensing lights in our backyard because our backyard is pretty huge and it's fenced in. So someone could easily just hop the fence and try and, you know, Jimmy the, the back door and potentially get in and, you know, the electronics, the game room, man, if any of this stuff would be stolen, it would be a nightmare, but more than anything, like just the safety of Lauren and I and Scoob is just, it's freaky. I mean, it really goes like Lauren, Scoob, PS5. (laughs) I mean, well, that order, I mean the order, yeah, probably up for, yeah, it's up for debate, you know, but Dude, if Astro's playroom got stolen from me. Oh, that'd be the worst. I mean, you got an entire shelf of games, but like that and your PC, if they just take off running. That'd be rough. But yeah, so definitely secure your homes. Be on the lookout. I'm probably not going to sleep for the next two weeks because the holiday season, man, it's when people you know, are out and about trying to scout things out and see if they can steal presents from the Christmas tree, which, which is just horrible. Yeah. Are you going to start parking in the garage? I'm going to have to, yeah. Uh, because that's just, I mean, we don't have garage door openers in our car. You know, if thieves are listening to this podcast, they're probably already getting ideas of how they can. No, we just have automatic, like motion sensing turrets in our house. I, I, I saw them when I walked in. I, they almost shot me. Listen, I have RCP nineties in my home <laughs> yeah. as I do 
the farsight. So like if you're walking around, I'm just going to pick you off with my farsight through the walls, x-ray vision, gone. Rusty's actually Joanna Dark. <laughs> He's gone through some surgeries, but he was at one point. In time. It took a while. I started from the bottom, and now I'm her. So it's great. But anyways, yeah. no, no, not, you're not now her. You're him. I am Joanna. <laughs> yeah. Period. But anyways, uh, yeah. So home invasion, kind of freaky. Not the way I wanted to wake up this morning. But thankfully, Lauren and I are safe. All is well in the world. But I do have a question for you, Ryan. Yes. So it's nice and cozy, you know, the snow is falling, it's nice and warm, you're drinking your apple cider, you're hanging out with Nala, you actually live here. Yeah, I do. Yeah, so that's just for the purposes of this question. Oh, okay. Yeah, so just imagine yourself here, you and I, feet up, you're tickling my feet, it's just, we're listening to some nice Christmas music, you know, but then the doorbell rings. And you go and answer the door, no one's there, but you have this nice flower, you have some freshly baked Christmas cookies in a bag, and a little note addressed to Lindsay. Okay. But a Lindsay doesn't live here. Okay. And there's not a return address. What do you do in this situation? (laughs) It's probably poison. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, I don't accept strange fruit, like... Or food from people who leave it on my door. Even if it is supposed to go to Lindsay or Joanna Dark. <laughs> I, I, I would probably throw it away. Or if you're in some neighborhood like Facebook chat, then probably like, hey, does a Lindsay, are you guys missing some cookies? But I definitely wouldn't eat them. Yeah. What would if they were in a fr- What if they were in a frozen bag like Elsa and... What are the, whatever the other one's name was, Anna? Definitely not eating them. Okay. <laughs> Do you want some witch like who creates ice? Dude, just let it go, cookies? you know? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. She almost killed her sister by like shanking her in the heart with an icicle, right? Uh, I think that's what happened. That was the uh, director's cut version. <laughs> yeah. No, she did. She like, she tried to like freeze her from the inside out and then like we had to find some rock trolls and... Do you want some rock trolls invading your house? No, I don't. That's almost more dangerous than being robbed. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Hmm. What would you do? Would you accept Lindsay's cookies? They're sitting on the shelf right now, actually. Are they? <laughs> <laughs> what type are they? Uh, I don't know. There was a whole litany of uh, cookies listed on there. Is that why you're trying to give that package back? You just you gave the package back for Lindsay and you took the cookies? Well, yeah. I mean, they've been sitting in our you know cupboard for like two weeks at this point. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, so you don't feel bad at all anymore. Well, no. Have you guys touched them? I mean, the the plant you see on our in our kitchen, that's that's that was supposed to be for Lindsay, you know. I didn't even recognize a plant. <laughs> Dude, it was so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, all right. I guess I have to go look at what's in here. Moral of the story, return things to the post office that are not yours. It is a federal crime to open mail that is also <laughs> <laughs> We uh, just committed a felony and told everyone I have. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Cool. It's been a fun week Let's owning a home. Let's get back to me rubbing your feet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds more fun than felonies. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Gosh. I don't know. I kind of want to go back to just, you know, renting. I don't know if this home ownership is for us, but. Yeah, good luck. Let's unpaint this room and we can give you a small, like, you can do Twitch in your living room again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was the worst, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely have to take pictures of, like, then versus now because I do have pictures of all angles from my first Twitch stream when I was streaming ukulele. Oh, my goodness. What a nightmare. It was so jank. The back paints, too, because I was literally sitting on my couch with no lumbar support, 
and my my computer at the time was propped up by like four different boxes, one of which was an Xbox 360 box. But yeah, um, I mean, like most of your activities, like gaming wise, whether it's the podcast or Twitch, Lauren was locked in a room with a dog. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, enough of the life updates, Ryan. We have to talk about the games that we have been playing recently, as we always do on the Otaku Brothers podcast. So what have you been playing this week? Yeah. So uh, start of the week, I platinum Dark Souls 3. I think we caught that in the last episode, but did we? we? Oh yeah, on, midway through. We recorded on two different days. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, what? Anyway, I guess I, again because I'm awesome. Even though I told you last week, Platinum Dark Souls three. So I had to find something else to do. I immediately deleted the application because it was taking up storage for future platinums. Ah, okay. Um, and then I went back to Bloodborne. Uh, I had two trophies left, one of which, I mean, they all pertain to the Chalice Dungeons, Mm -hmm. but one of them was to get down to, like, Ailing Lorraine to get, like, the Beast Claws, which you find in a secret room. Okay. So I did that, and now I only have one trophy, which is the Queen of Yarnum, which is, you get through all of the Chalice Dungeons. It's just, it's really tedious. Um, So where I'm currently at... Uh, I completed maybe four full dungeons, and then I'm in Ailing Lorraine, which I need to get lower Lorraine to get, like, two red jellies. Okay, and this then makes have, sense so far. Yeah, you, dude, the jellies are important, because you, then you need the jellies to meet the queen. And then, <laughs> yeah, then sure after, after the jellies in lower Lorraine, I have to go through the Defiled, which you're, like, half health, and I started... I had to stop because I was scaring my dog with like my screaming rage where I was getting one shot. I can see that. So I'll probably have to, like one of the weekends I give my dog to the parents, I'll have to just power through and just, like if I have no hair eventually coming out of that weekend because I've ripped it all out of my scalp, then you know why I've got the Bloodborne Platinum. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how freaking Blink did it in like a night. There's like... Dude, Blink is a god, all right? Yeah, there's this dark beast thing, and then there's an Amidala, or Amygdala. Amidala? Princess Amidala? <laughs> Princess Amidala. You have to fight her at half health. Natalie Portman comes out of nowhere. she's got like an army of Gungans. Mm. Um, yeah, and then after I get that, the third level, um, I, have the, I get a great chalice, and then I can fight the queen. Okay. Then I get the platinum, but yeah, I had to stop Bloodborne, and I ended up... Which is not any less stressful. I went to Sekiro a little bit. Yikes. Um, so for that trophy, there are three other endings besides the ending that I completed. Mm-hmm. Um, I have three more bosses that I have to complete, which gets me on top of those trof- those three trophies for the bosses individually. Then I get the trophy for beating all the bosses. Okay. And then I think I just have, what is it? Max out all weapons, which requires new game and then new game plus. Okay, gotcha. So a lot to get there. So, but I, I'm not sure what I feel like playing anymore. So we'll, we'll see. I I might switch to something relaxing like Spider Man. Well, I think now that we have the Miles Morales update with 60 frames, ray tracing, I think 440p. I mean, we just did like a quick little demo just to see what it looks like and. It's one of those things where, like, if they remastered Ghost of Tsushima for, or Tsushima, for, you know, the PS5, it's like, <clears throat> I think that looks better than it looked before, but, yeah. like, it's, 
it's it already looks so stunning that it's it, you're kind of splitting hairs at that point uh, graphically speaking but i think certainly from a 30 frames to 60 frames perspective like it's night and day difference i mean it's it almost feels like someone's forcing you to like slow down slow motion type uh web slinging compared to the 60 frames where it's just a smooth swinging through New York. It's hard to tell the difference in frames when you're looking at them side by side for at least me, but when you're playing it, it's a lot easier to tell. It is a lot smoother. Yeah, yeah. So what have you been playing? Good stuff. Uh, For me, I think last week I talked a little bit about Code Vein, got some heat from Blank that I, uh, unintentionally, I guess, I didn't really even think about it consciously, that I went to a Souls-like in Code Vein on the PS4, playing on the PS5, and Demon Souls remake from Bluepoint Games is just sitting unplayed on my shelf. Really, you're just feeling like tickling your inner weeb. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I really don't blame you, but you should play Demon Souls. I will. I definitely will get around to Demon Souls. And, you know, Blink, you know, he made a good point. You know, maybe that's a game that I'll stream because it would be painfully difficult, I think, for me to eventually get around to it and just the mere difficulty of those games but to play it on stream with a community of people kind of supporting me cheering me on maybe that'll be good times and i'm in no rush to get to it so uh you know maybe when i come back to streaming in 2021 we'll get around to playing demon souls on twitch okay so how did you make any progress in code vein i can't remember where i was at exactly when we recorded the show but i've definitely just killed the boss right before the episode that like flower poison shit oh okay so then yeah i've I've finished that first boss and then i've gone back to a couple of different grinding areas and just grinded out some levels okay uh, while you know catching up on my podcast queue but other than that i really haven't gone back to it and or progressed the story in any significant way post that boss okay so what I was thinking, though, is that I'll kind of put it on pause until you eventually get around to playing it, because typically whenever we do play the Souls games, we play them not side by side, but simultaneously. So we can kind of track progress between each other. And then if there's a boss that we're struggling with or if you find a particular, you know, grinding area you share with me, it's just kind of a fun co-op, but not co-op experience. OK. Yeah. So sounds good. Uh, so I put that on pause. I continue to play Life is Strange. I finished the first two episodes. There's five total episodes. And my goodness, that game with its decision making is painfully difficult. And and one of the things that makes that game so interesting is that with Walking Dead, I think I briefly touched on it last episode. Telltale's Walking Dead, of course. You make a decision, you convince yourself that it's right, but you have to live with that decision. So you kind of take some solace in the fact that it's what's done is done. I have to move forward. I have to own the decision I made and explain to the people that I'm currently living with why I made that decision. Yeah. Well, life is strange adds that extra, you know, nuance to it where you might make a decision that ends horribly for you, but you can rewind time to see rewind time to see, okay, well maybe I go the other route and I make this decision instead. And maybe that decision ends up playing out worse for you but you can't rewind time at that point. Really? You can only do it once per... You can't do... No, it's you're not locked in on one thing, but like if you rewind time to make a di- different decision, let's say, and then you think that that was the better option, well, then maybe you have a conversation with someone a day later and that is brought up again. And you're, you think, God damn it, maybe I should have made the other decision because now they're calling me out for this. Okay, so the days are the hard cuts on when... Like, you can't rewind to the previous day. Not necessarily. It's really a a moment-to-moment basis. So, like, let's just say you're trying to grab... You're trying to look for, like... Here's a perfect example. 
one of your classmates needed a book that you borrowed from them. So you're looking around your apartment dorm, not your, not your apartment dorm, your dorm room, and you see the book, you grab for it, but then you knock like a coffee glass on it. So then you rewind time to remove the coffee glass first and then look, grab for the book. Uh-oh. It's decisions like that um, that you can kind of rewind in the moment. It's okay. not like you can rewind an entire day. It's just a matter of seconds, really. Oh, okay. But I'm really enjoying it. I'm I'm trying to take as many you know notes as I can so that when the Cartridge Club does record their episode, I can kind of compare my notes because the interesting thing about this game, similar to Walking Dead, is at the end of every episode, it compares your decisions to other people around the world that say, you and 30% of other people made this decision or you and 98% of people made this decision. So it's fun to see what side of the fence you fall on. Is like, are you within the majority of people that made this decision? Mm-hmm. Or are you in the minority and you went away that very few people did? It's just, I love those types of games. Did you give uh, the person you borrowed the book a coffee-covered book, or did you give him a book? Pristine condition, man. Gem okay. Minton. Was that, the, that was the main choice, I'm assuming, was no coffee on books, was what the world wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was even in the, the, the cards for like one of the ones that they showed. Okay results for but most people cut up the book and threw it at their head (laughs) okay but the reason ryan that i put this game on pause was largely related to the trophies and i have a whole trophy discussion i want to get into but before i do that i want to talk about a particular gaming experience that was the most fun i've had playing games probably dating back to like the 2007 2008 playing call of duty 3 online with my buddies or or, life is tiger or tiger well life of black tiger is up there for sure it's probably top five moments of my life but you know (laughs) halo 3 just the days of xbox live and even dating back further than that playing on a 15 inch crtv in my room Perfect Dark, GoldenEye, Diddy Kong Racing, the superior kart racer to Mario Kart 64. I'm just speaking facts, people. But the other night, Jason Heine, some of you uh, may know him. He recorded the intro to this podcast that you heard uh, just moments ago. He announced on his Twitter page that he was going to be playing GoldenEye Source are on the Source engine. It's a PC game of the GoldenEye N64 game. A bunch of people got together and basically remade all of the assets of GoldenEye to be a multiplayer experience online with friends. And so when I heard that, I'm like, you know, I have yet to play a game on my new PC. What a way to kind of kick things off than playing GoldenEye with Jason and friends. So I ended up uh, downloading the game and he went live on Twitch at uh, around 9 p.m., we hopped in his Discord. We were all mic'd up, chatting with each other, just having the time of our lives playing GoldenEye, man. I mean, Blink was in there. Josh popped in for a little bit. Bunch of people that I had never met before, some of which were like all over the world. I mean, literally one of the dudes was from New Zealand that was playing with oh, us. Very cool. uh, one of the guys... He popped into Jason's stream is like, dude, I play this game every day. I I play on Saturdays with the developers. I'm a huge fan. Um, is it okay if I join your game? And so he was crazy good at the game. But it was just wait, he plays with the developers. Yeah. So because I mean, it's it. I would assume a pretty under the radar development team that oh, okay. you know made this Golden Eye Source. I don't really know anything about the development process or um, I think it was originally released back in like late 2000s, maybe 2010ish, 2009. Mm-hmm. And they were talking or he was discussing that it kind of hit peak popularity in around 2015 
And then it kind of just went away. You know, people kind of stopped playing it because, you know, the Apex Legends, the Destinies, the Fortnites of the world kind of took over and took the first-person shooter uh, by storm or third-person shooter, you know, just the Battle Royale stuff. So, uh, but it was just so much fun and it really kind of motivated me to... Uh, think about games that we could also be playing as part of the Otaku Brothers community. Same same kind of thing though. Like I, w- I probably wouldn't stream it, but just hopping in a Discord chat. Everyone's playing the same game, whether it's something like Battlefront Classic 2 or GoldenEye Source or some other shooter that just gets everyone together. We're having good times. We're drinking Mountain Dew and we're just playing good games. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. So I will be actually releasing some um, updates to the Discord here probably by the time this show goes live or certainly by uh, the end of this weekend. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I have an explanation for the things that the channels that I'm removing, the channels that I'm adding, all that fun stuff. So more details to come. But man, I'm just excited to play games with people again in this next generation because I feel like I've been lacking that multiplayer cooperative experience that I had, you know, back in the Xbox 360 and just PS2 and N64 days. Yeah, I will say, I mean, PS3 and PS4, mainly single player, and at least now you can experience multiplayer not having Xbox with your PC, which yeah. would be a lot of fun. A lot of games to play. I mean, I, I bought some games on GOG last night because they're having some crazy sale. I think I got six games for 18 bucks. One of them was SWAT 4. That's, I think, a a tactical first-person shooter. Kind of similar to the Rainbow Six games, but you can also play it online. I got Battlefronts 1 and 2, the classic versions, uh, which I think you can also play those games online. The Witcher 2 Enhanced Edition for $2.50. Stronghold, which is a RTS game, kind of medieval base, which I love those types of games. Buck fifty. I mean, you can't beat that type of stuff. Yeah, no. those deals are nuts. And and I also know it's a dangerous uh, rabbit hole for buying games on Steam and GOG that you'll never play. But I try to be mindful of the games that I'm um, I'm buying. That I will definitely be playing this in the next, or I could see myself playing this game in the next six months. So <laughs> I'm just like, like I'm mindful of all the games that I'm buying. I'm just looking at your shelf with like hundreds of games on it that's a mirage ryan you see nothing yeah you're just hungry just wave your hand yeah these aren't the games you're looking for (laughs) yep pretty much yep uh but yeah no i'm excited to play some games with the community and just play multiplayer games in general it just brought back uh something that i haven't had in a long time so it was really good times but getting back to the trophy discussion i know you talked about some some platinum trophy hunting and you know i've been having a fun little uh well he thinks it's friendly but i'm actually out for blood (laughs) Yeah, Blink thinks he has a chance. <laughs> a little trophy, yeah, war with, with Blink. He's currently at 341, or he's ranked 341 with trophies, and I'm 350. And so we've kind of just been, you know, playfully going back and forth on Discord about, you know, the games that we're playing, the Platinums we have lined up, all that fun stuff. Well, I started looking, I, had, I took an honest look at my trophy listing, and I'm like, where am I actually at? So I was at 350, and I was nearing 4,000 trophies. Wow. And I was like, is there a way that I could find... And I'm at 29 Platinums. So I'm thinking, I want to make this kind of something special. Again, it's all artificial. It doesn't really mean a whole lot of anything except for those dopamine releases. You know what I'm saying? But I wanted the 4,000th trophy to be unique. And I wanted my 30th Platinum to be unique. And so I started doing the math, crunching the numbers. And I started playing Ghost of Tsushima again. Nice. Just because I wanted to go back to games that, 
I'm not really sure where they rank in my top 10, but I want to pump a few more hours into them to see are they going to go higher on my list? Are they going to go lower? Are they even going to make the list? All of that good stuff. And playing more of Ghost, it just continues to climb my top 10 games of the year list. And when I looked at the trophies and bumped them up against my total trophy count, I realized that I'm when I unlock the Platinum, how do I describe this without getting too confusing? So the final trophy that I'll unlock in Ghost of Tsushima will be my 4,000th trophy. The 30th Platinum that I'll get as a result of unlocking that final trophy will be my 4,001st trophy. Oh, cool. So I thought, why not do that? So the past few days, I've just been grinding out all the collectibles, all the side missions, which are just as emotionally moving and meaningful and fun to play as the main story quests. And again, I'm just having so much fun with that. And it, I, like I said, it's continuing to climb my top 10 games of the year list. I I can't believe that In Last of Us Part Two came out this year. I know we've said it a number of times on the show, but the level of polished, polish of something like Ghost is mind-boggling. Yeah, I, I think like we were talking before this, or before we started recording, going from Sly Cooper to Ghost, and I mean, from platformer to a really intense combat that was extremely polished. Well, they also had the infamous games. We can't forget about that. We had, okay. We had Infamous 1 and 2 on PS3, and then uh, I think Second Son on PS4. It's still a very different type of world. 100%. Um, I mean, you have, what, four stances? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I they did an amazing job. Yeah, and I don't want to go too into the details of my thoughts. I know I've talked about it on prior shows. Ryan has too, but I want to save the juicy details for our Game of the Year discussion because I have a lot to say, and... Yeah, I just want to save it for the game of the year discussion. Okay. But more than anything, I think my timestamp will be telling enough that I've pumped over 65 hours into the game at this point. I am four trophies away from getting the platinum, and I'm really excited to finish it and polish it off. And, you know, there's new game plus options, so I'm considering doing that. And then speaking of multiplayer experiences, they have the Legends mode that they added to the game for free about a month or two after release that I would like to see, you know, maybe you and I can squad up. Another person in the Discord. I know Nintai was a big fan of Ghost, so maybe we'll play with him. Uh, How does that work? Or what do you go through the game, or is it a completely different game mode? It's a completely different game mode, but I was looking at the trophy listings, and some of them were like, you completed X number of story missions on Legends mode. So I think there's actually story-specific missions in Legends mode, but I think there's also like a PvP thing where you actually play against other people. Oh, that could be fun. I could be speaking out of my butt. I, I don't really know for sure, but I thought I remember reading the advertisements and seeing trailers, and that's what was shown. That'd be cool. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm definitely looking forward to finishing up the game, playing all the side quests, and then eventually digging into the Legends mode. Should be good times. But enough of the games that we have been playing recently, Ryan. We have to get into... The Mandalorian discussion. I'm so pumped to finally talk about this. It's been a struggle holding back and not talking about it in prior episodes, but now I think it was the best time waiting for the season finale to launch or air and uh, getting into it. Yeah. But before we get into any kind of spoiler territory, I do want to just high level impressions. Where does this compare to season one? Where are you at with this season? I thought overall, I don't know. It's it's hard to build upon something that's new 
and have it have the same kind of awe as seeing Mando fight like an army of people with that droid in episode one. Mm, mm-hmm. And then seeing Baby Yoda, I think, episode one. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then having everything be new. It, it's hard to have that same kind of experience. Um, they did a great job and they tied a lot of legends lore into a ton of all the episodes so i loved that um there's some what felt like side quests more fetchy than i would have liked in a few of the episodes but yeah I, overall i think it was a lot of fun and they wrapped it up very well at the end yeah i would tend to agree i think this is probably the most excited i've been as a Star Wars fan, as long as I can remember, I think this gives me so hope for the, so much hope for the future of Star Wars, and what they've done to not only appease fans but include so much originality that I think has kind of been lacking. There's just not been a lot. There hasn't been a lot of like creative imagination in Star Wars, certainly with the sequel trilogy. And I think right, wrong, or indifferent, I think the Mandalorian is going to great lengths to kind of right the wrongs that you know. The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, The Rise of Skywalker that I think most people would tend to agree were just not planned well and kind of directionless with the storytelling. And I think it was more than anything Disney's cash grab at at that point owning Lucasfilm. And, you know, with The Force Awakens, we've talked about it a dozen times over, you know, it was very samey and staying close to A New Hope. And then the The Last Jedi just tried to be so much different and take Star Wars to to levels and lengths that it had never been before. And I think obviously very divisive film and then rise of Skywalker did everything they possibly could to right the wrongs that the last Jedi wrote into the story. And again, it just felt like a jumbled mess. And I think that we'll get into it when we get into spoiler territory, but I think in my opinion, rightfully so they're beginning to kind of retcon a lot of the decision-making in the sequel trilogy character arcs that I thought were very unsatisfying in the grander scheme of things. And ultimately, I just think the sequel trilogy was very poorly managed. And I think Bob Iger himself, they said they didn't have a plan going into these movies. So what does excite me is the direction of The Mandalorian, as we'll get into here shortly, all of these new shows that they have planned that seem really exciting just based on the title alone and these kind of solo adventures based on character cameos in season two of The Mandalorian. I think the only... You know, reservation that I have is you look at when Lucasfilm first bought Star Wars and they're like, we have all these movies planned, a new trilogy with the original um, Skywalker name kind of continuing. And then we're doing a Han Solo story and then we're doing Rogue One and then we're going to do an Obi-Wan movie. And a lot of those projects either fell through or were kind of a hit and a miss in the case of Solo. I think Rogue One's a great movie. Also, I think Rogue One's the best thing that Disney's put out so far in the Star Wars IP. Move, full movie-wise, from besides, a mo- movie, yeah, yeah, be- side of things. besides Mandalorian. Yeah, I, I think Rogue One, uh, my hot take on Rogue One is it's great. I also think it's overrated. I think Cool, pe- that's not contradictory. Well, for people to say that it's the best Star Wars movie ever, it's better than A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. No, I think it's within, it's the best within Disney, it's... Up there within the overall franchise, but it's, I don't know, it's a very well self-contained movie where you know none of the characters are going to make it out. Mm-hmm. It's not like Han Solo movie where it, no one asked for it. 
We never Rogue needed it. Rogue One is just it's a gap between the two. It's it's right before New Hope. Yeah. It's how where the hell did these plans come from? And I, I thought it was a cool story. Han Solo. It's like the the best thing about that character is he has a backstory that is kind of ambiguous. murky. You don't yeah. yeah ambiguous. So. Yeah, well, also about Rogue One, Gary Witta directed it. So shout out to Gary if you're listening. We love you. Your hot takes Yeah, thanks the best. for being a part of a talk about this community <laughs> <laughs> and in the Discord. <laughs> Rogue One's great. Don't get me wrong. I just thought it was a little overrated compared to what people were talking about it. But, Ryan, we have more important things to talk about than ranking the Star Wars films. I'm sure we'll eventually return to the, uh, our list that we put together. In back like in episode four. Back in episode two. The or four- was it two? Yeah, The Force is Strong with this one or okay. something like that. Was it okay? So Star Wars, like Pokemon, and then whatever four was. Uh, yes. God, that's like three years ago. <laughs> I, I don't know. Born to Fat Roll was episode four. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I remember things, Ryan, about the Otaku Brothers podcast. Unlike some people, dude. I, I'm lucky to remember the names of <laughs> you and Lauren. <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh, I appreciate you remembering our names. But Ryan, yeah. let's get into, uh, do we want to just go into spoiler territory? We've shared kind of our spoiler-free impressions. I thought it was great. I thought, I guess I really didn't. I think this season outdid the first in many, many ways. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of it was because of the cameos that we got in this season. I think uh, Filoni having a hand in this season definitely shows, was very welcome. And I just loved how so many of the episodes felt like their own standalone little movie adventure with Baby Yoda. We'll eventually get to his name in the spoiler-filled section, and Mando. And I loved how the themes, thematically, each episode was very different. Like, one of which, that's my favorite, uh, at a high level, almost introduced this, like, space opera sci-fi horror elements. It felt like I was watching an alien dead space type film, uh, which was really interesting. And then contrasted with when... You know, Mando is just kind of trying to figure out and solve some issue in a city helping the helping people, you know? Yeah. I mean, they had, I want to say I listed three side quests, which are kind of their own self-contained with the remaining kind of episodes being the main kind of quest line. Mm-hmm. Trying to close the Oblivion Gates. That's right. Yeah. So, no, I thought it was good. I mean... It's weird that we'd critique the sequels and the funny, I guess, not weird, but it's funny that everything that makes Mandalorian so great is bringing back the material that was already written in Legends. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it. All the character ties in or that are tied in or everything that was kind of introduced in season two is just saying, we're just canonizing stuff that was previously uncanonized. Yeah, and I think it's really beautiful because it's seamlessly done where it not only brings in stuff from Legends, but nods to the prequel trilogy, mm-hmm. nods to the original trilogy, even the sequel trilogy, the comics, the animated TV shows, the the video games. I mean, how it blends all of this together where none of it feels like fisted in or shoehorned into the story or plot, I think it's all done very tastefully, which is really saying something considering how grand the star wars universe is yeah what's so funny <laughs> i've never heard i've heard ham fisted but i've never heard you just fisted in there <laughs> man john favreau was like hey we're just gonna fist just it in this fist it in <laughs> that's what i'm saying man you know sometimes you just gotta do it that way yeah but no i think the way all of it was blended in is really just telling of the people that 
have the rights and are kind of steering the ship of Mandalorian, which is Dave Filoni and John Favreau. Yeah. And I think as long as those two continue to be at the helm of what Star Wars is going forward, I think we have nothing but great things to look forward to with not only the storytelling, the direction of these characters, the casting of these characters, and the way uh, where movies are going to go moving forward. And even if we don't have any more Star Wars movies, I think Mandalorian and some of the shows that were that you know uh, Disney announced recently, I'm okay with that. I think the sense of anticipation for these films when they come out every three years, there's just so much theorizing that goes into what's going to happen, who's raised parentage, who is Kylo Ren? Is he going to come back to the you know the light side? Yada yada yada. We end up crafting our own stories and the vision for where the uh, the movie's going to go. That when it doesn't happen, we're just so disappointed. But something like The Mandalorian, the, the, you kind of just go in with no expectations, and you're kind of wowed. Yeah, I, yeah, I think The Mandalorian. We understand that they're going to do a good job, and when we're theory crafting for the main movies, is the fans actually create a good plot line, whereas Disney didn't. Yeah, um, I'm similar to what you were saying previously. Is they listed or they released a list of like 11 shows slash movies that they're going to do in the next however amount of time. I have the same kind of reservations or fears that it's going to be a shotgun blast and it's going to be overwhelming. Um, Based off the quality of season two, similar to what you're saying is I have hope, a new hope. That's right. In the series and their ability to manage Star Wars as an IP. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll we'll see, but I I think Mandalorian season two was a good push into the future. I think so too. Yeah, it was good stuff. Well, uh, we're at about forty two minutes here. I think we will call it good for spoiler free impressions. So if you've not watched the season, you know I think Ryan and I have been pretty good about not giving anything away. Stay off Twitter as best you can. If there's ways you can filter certain words, do it. Uh, but you definitely want to watch season two. <coughs> Without having anything spoiled for you. But I will say, similar to something like, you know, a callback to The Last of Us Part 2, even if you know certain story beats, seeing it play out on screen is an entirely different beast. So, if you've had it spoiled, don't don't use that as a means for not watching it, because it's well worth it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. All right, Ryan, let's get into our spoiler-filled Mandalorian Season 2 discussion. Okay. Do you want to do an overview first, and then we can go through the episodes on our favorite kind of portions of those? Yeah, I'll let you take the reins here, because I didn't take copious notes for each of the episodes. I know you have some highlights, because yeah, for we, me... Yeah, we can just go through where it started, and just kind of go through the progression and talk to it that way. It might be easier that way. Yeah, because looking back, I, I honestly don't remember specifically, it's, other than the yeah. highlight episodes. Okay, so it starts out... Um, do you even remember how season... Okay, so end of season one... We were introduced to the Darksaber. Yes. And that seems like it would be the new driving factor of season two. Mm-hmm. And and Gus, the villain. Yes, and Gus. He's in a lot of things. He was in um, The Boys, which I forgot to mention. I watched two seasons of in a week. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you... Wait. Pause on Star Wars real quick. Have you watched any of The Boys? Dude, I'm still in a Survivor binge. So, I don't know why it showed season two, episode one on the boys on your Amazon account. So, you didn't watch season one. 
I told you that someone broke into my house at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> yeah. they watch from 12 to 6 a.m. while you guys are sleeping in your living room. Mm-hmm. So you haven't watched any? No, I've not. God, you need to watch it. Is it that good? It's so good. Oh, it's so good. Is it's Carl like, Urban hot? It's what? Is Carl Urban hot? Carl Urban's always hot. He's Aomore, man. Aomore. Eomore. Well, they also Eat have uh, Dennis what's his name Quaid. In, <laughs> what's his name in uh, The Riders of Rohan? That's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know who you're saying. Dude, he's awesome. He's almost like a Australian Johnny Depp from Pirates of the Caribbean in some of his mannerisms. He's just like a rugged version. But, oh, it's so hilarious. It's basically if Marvel was realistic on, like, the corruption of higher power beings. Oh, interesting. So, like... It's superheroes as a corporation, and then you think of the corruption of potential corporations having the marketing power and all their ability to cover shit up. Hmm. It's if super superheroes slash villains had that ability. Okay, I'm down. And then you that. have Dennis Quaid from uh, Parent Trap. His son is one of the main characters, and he has the same fucking smile as Dennis Quaid, like that. He doesn't open his mouth, but he does his lips that, like, take up his entire face. Oh, like the Joker. Yeah, kind of. He looks like the Joker. So, Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 1. It starts out where uh, Mando is on a quest to find another Mandalorian, which he got that quest line from the Forge Master Mm. um, at the end of Season 1, I believe. So, it starts out, he's trying to find another Mandalorian. And I named this one. This is main quest for chapter nine. It's called the dragon. Uh, that's not actually the, but it's all about a dragon. Nintai? So you're looking for Mando two. They end up on Tatooine, which is where they get their intelligence, and they go to this kind of outskirts city where there's a bunch of uh, people who are racist against sand people, and. They have to fight a dragon, and then they end up getting Boba Fett's armor. Oh, yeah. No, I do remember this episode. That was so cool. Like, to see that giant worm thing, it was a kind of a callback to what have been not Empire. I think this was A New Hope. When they go, they're trying to get away from the TIE Fighters. And oh, then they fly. like in the asteroid? Yeah, they fly in that little asteroid thing, and there's that giant, like, planet worm thing that almost eats them. Yeah, and it kind of humanizes the, the sand people that Anakin just slaughtered. Yeah. Because it's just like that mining town who, like, are getting robbed by the sand people. So, like, they're like, I hate you because I don't understand you and you hate me. And then they end up having to work together and form, like, this pact. And then you see two, like, how cool it is, like, when two, quote-unquote, Mandalorians, people with Mandalorian armor, are fighting something together. Yeah, It's kind of your first look at it. Yeah, that was a sweet episode. And then it almost reminded me of uh, Hercules, the cartoon, when he gets eaten by the Hydra, and then everyone's really depressed and feels like, there goes another one. Yeah. And then he, and then everyone starts like freaking out because he like cuts through them and then yeah. heads start flopping off and he's got goo all over him. And it kind of reminded me of that because the Mando basically goes into the mouth of this thing with a giant bomb yeah. and then kind of explodes out of its stomach. Yeah. And then they get some egg out of it. Are they gonna like make one of those dragons their pet? I could be man season three. Yeah, you know? that could be cool. So I, I thought that was a good episode overall. I, I had a good time. It was cool to see the Boba Fett armor, and then I think the end of that you saw, which you, I don't think you picked up on, was you saw Boba Fett 
looking at the Mandalorian ship as it flew away. I, I definitely missed that. Uh, but I guess, pause on that and just overall getting back to my thoughts during the non-spoiler section, I think that's this is great television where you have each of these episodes that can perfectly stand on their own as kind of their solitary episodes. They are kind of these side quests as you spoke of, but there are these subtle things that one of which I completely missed with Boba Fett watching the ship go off and then it kind of ties all the episodes together so well. Yeah. It's so I good. I think so too. So that last one was the main quest and this gets into their first side quest that kind of establishes where everything's going. Mm, okay. So this is at the end or I think the beginning of this one you you have that lady from season 1 who was taking care of your ship as you're off killing a dragon. Yep. Right? And when you get back, you get baby Yoda back cuz she's there they're babysitting and then you get some toad girl who needs to take her eggs to her husband to be fertilized oh i love this episode i wasn't a fan because it felt very side questy to me oh see no this is when i talked about in the spoiler free section about the sci-fi horror like this reminded me as if it was something like out of an alien movie. it, it did feel aliens where they're like you wake up things and they all just pop out of the eggs. all the spiders started coming nah man i loved this episode i thought it was so cool Okay. That's, Even though it was, you know, completely kind of off the rails of the main quest line. Yeah. I just love, because it ties back to, you know, Baby Yoda can't help himself. He has no... Um, the internet was up in arms. They're like, he's a, he's a, having a genocide of this, like, last surviving population of, like, these eggs. And it was oh, just my. Like, he's just hungry. Give me a break. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure uh, Grogu was trying to kill everything. Yeah, that was definitely his intent here, was <laughs> yeah. to ruin the population and wipe off the dinosaurs from the face he, of the he earth. He needed the substance to do Sith magic, to form lightning and kill all. Good grief, the internet these days. So, like, at the beginning of this, you, you get the quest to deliver the frog, and they're flying through space, and they can't go through hyperspace because it'll kill the eggs. Oh. So that's where you meet the New Republic for the first time. So this introduces kind of that faction. Um, or Was this when they side. pull up next to a ship and they're like questioning Mando? Yeah, they're like, hey, uh, can you, I don't know, give us your frequency so we can that's keep right. track of you. And Mando's like, fuck that. Because they were in X-Wings, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that was, was really cool. And they, it was a cool callback to see like you saw the Emperor, or not the Emperor, the Empire is forming kind of this... I don't know, trying to form a new something mm-hmm. with uh, Gus. and What's his name? Moss Gideon or something like that? Yeah. Moss Gideon, Moss Kanata, one of the Mosses. Yeah. And so Gus, he has his side, and then you see what the New Republic is kind of forming coming out of the blowing up of the second Death Star. So he's like, yeah, no, I don't want to give you my number. You're kind of a creep. And they're like, can I have your number? Can I have it? And he's like, no. So they start flying and evading. And it's kind of cool to see that. I mean, just watching the ships fly around. Mm-hmm. And they're flying over this snow planet. And they end up crashing. And then they crash into a cave. And... Um, yeah, Baby Yoda's like, hey, I'm curious. Let's see what's happening. The frog girl decides to have a spa day and is like <laughs> chilling in a cave. That was and that they're weird. like, the fuck are you doing? And Baby Yoda in the cave's like, hey, everything is good to eat. And eats some spider. 
Like a spider egg or something. Yeah. And then there's lots of spiders. Like in the same type of setting that Alien 1 kind of happened. It kind of reminded me of that, uh, that, Alien 2. that episode of Lost where there's those people trying to hide the diamonds and they get bit by that spider. And then once it once the spider bites someone, then it causes like the entire community of that type of spider to come and like not feast on the person. But yeah, oh, man, do you, do you remember that episode of Lost? And then those two people... <laughs> what? <laughs> it, it's kind of like a weird episode. So those two people get bit by the spiders, and then it, it appears as if that person's dead, but they're actually just paralyzed for like 24 hours. And then they end up burying those people. I What season is that? I don't remember that at all. It was like season three or four. Because oh, okay. uh, the one it. guy that was married to... The one guy was married to that one lady... <laughs> I can't remember names of lost people. Um, is this like the old couple or is this the Asian couple? The older couple. Okay. Uh, the one Rose. Okay. Was yeah, Rose. Yeah, yeah. He like collects things on the island and he ends up collecting the spider. The spiders, I think. Gosh, no. I Maybe, no, it wasn't him. It was that other guy that takes the dynamite stick and blows up. He, yeah, he definitely blew up. It was that dude. Lost is great. Watch Lost. <laughs> <laughs> the spiders and the dynamite and the couples and the... I don't know. The Adam and the Eve and the cork plug that'll uh, save the world. Something like that. Yeah, so... Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Alien versus Predator when they go into the cave and they see that kind of room with all of the eggs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they get, they get back to the ship and they're kind of screwed. They're trying to kill all the spiders and just as they're getting away, giant spider parent jumps on the ship... And then they're really screwed, and then the New Republic comes down and saves them. And what a like, cool scene. You you saved our friend. Chill in the cave. We we did our job. And then they get out of there. Yeah, it's kind of like, don't ask, don't tell. You, you know. We won't tell anyone that you were here. You're basically dead. <laughs> good good luck. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I. it, it was definitely off the main kind of storyline. Um, but yeah, it is kind of a glue because it you can't do main story beats, it, and it's not as fluffed as like a supernatural where you have twenty episodes per season. And I think when you have eight to nine episodes or whatever it is for each of these seasons, you can't have these crazy payoffs. Where as we'll get to an Ahsoka reveal, a Boba Fett reveal, a Luke Skywalker reveal. Here's Baby Yoda's name. He's Grogu. If you have that in your face, episode after episode after episode, it's like I think that level of surprise and wow factor is kind of lost. Whereas if you mix in something like this, where it's like, we're going to go to sci-fi horror, then we're going to go back to our Western sci-fi roots, you kind of need that breakup a little bit to make sure that those story beats pay off episode after episode. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. So then moving into chapter 11, um, you get back to the main quest, and this is the Mando Squad quest. Oh, this is cool. Yeah. So you land with your ship that's been destroyed by spiders, you've successfully brought the toad to her husband to fertilize the eggs and you're like hey i'm st- i think you were looking for you're still looking for a mandalorian right mm-hmm. um at that point and you drop off yoda for more babysitting by the toads and you head to a bar and you see these mandalorians and they kind of point out that mando is part of the death watch kind of cult from 
was it Clone Wars that we it was introduced? It wasn't Rebels, so it had to be Clone Wars. Yeah, maybe. Um, they point out that he was part of the cult, and they're part of kind of the main houses. Mm-hmm. And we're introduced to Bo-Katan, Bo-Katan and her two other Mandalorians. Freaking badass, man. That was It was a ton of fun. And that's after... No, no, no. We don't meet him in a bar. They're on a barge trying to... The, like, fisher people are trying to take him to meet the Mandalorians. And they end up, like, throwing Baby Yoda in a fish tank to be eaten. Mm-hmm. Do you well, they're, they're about to throw Baby Yoda in the fish tank because they take him. They, I think, stuff... Yeah, what ends up... I don't know if Baby so they, Yoda's they, thrown in they there. They throw him in the thing. His... Uh, the ball closes up to protect him. He's eaten by a fish. Oh, that's right. The Mandalorians come down, save him. One dives in because Mando's drowning in a cage. Yeah, because they get the Mando out and they said, the, the kid's down there, the kid's down there. And they're like, we'll get the kid. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And then they meet and they're like, hey, we're part of different gangs. You're Crips. I'm Bloods. We can't We can't chill. Yeah. So then, then I think the... Was it Mando who just bolts out of there? I think it was Mando just flies off. They end up meeting in a bar, or they save Mando from being jumped by the the Fisher people and his friends. And then they're like, hey, you help me. We'll give you some information about finding a home for Grogu. Ah, okay. And then they end up storming a ship, which was a ton of fun. Yeah, it was good. It It was awesome to watch, what, four Mandalorians just taking on a ship. Just wreck house. In live action. Because we did see some a bunch of Clone War or Clone, bunch of Mando action in the Clone Wars, but seeing it live action is awesome. Yeah. So there were they storm the ship. Uh, what Bo Katan asks about Gus to f- try to find out where he is because he is the dark saber, which is the weapon that gives you right to the throne of Mandalore. Just saying sci- sci-fi shit <laughs> sounds insane. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, we don't need to go into the lore. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to go down that path, but I just, I don't really get the whole dark saber thing. Uh, and like, if you basically defeat me in battle, then you become... This goes back to when Darth Maul ended up taking over the Death Watch by killing the head of the Death Watch who had the dark saber. So he was the head of Mandalore. Oh, yeah, I just kind of forgot that. Briefly. Yeah, uh, obviously. And this then it gets... Someone took the dark saber from Maul, and then it went to the girl in Rebels, and Rebels gave it to Bo-Katan, mm. and then it somehow got stolen from Bo-Katan. Yeah, that makes much more sense now. Yeah, I mean, obviously that happened. Um, but yeah, I, the, I think the main reveal, besides Baby Yoda's ended his genocide run when he sees a live frolicking toad tadpole, was we. We get a name from Bo-Katan of a Jedi to help Mando on his quest. Oh, and yes. The name reveal or drop is Ahsoka Tano. Hell yeah, buddy. Here we go. Dave Filoni enters the scene. And I think up until this point, she's... Because Rebels and Clone Wars are legend, they pull in her as an official canon. Yeah. So, that's awesome. I don't know if they're fully canonizing legends... Or the Legends material for Rebels and Clone Wars, but yeah, it's awesome. It's good stuff. So then we get back. We don't have to talk about the side quest too much of the clone base, where they storm the clone base uh, with their old friends. 
um, that wrestler girl and the old guy. Oh, yeah. That was kind of cool, but I'm kind of um, more just excited to talk about Ahsoka. Yeah, so then this one, basically, the, the main takeaway from that clone base is you find out that the Empire is cloning. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some back-to-tanks, and it you're, you're guessing they're using baby yoda's blood to do something because it's full of metachlorians mm. full of high m levels i think is what this something like the, that <coughs> but getting into chapter 13 which is the important stuff which is back to the main quest this is the ahsoka tana episode it was amazing man yeah so it starts out She's just being badass in the woods. She's got her two white lightsabers. She's cutting up trees, doing some logging, throwing those trees around, killing people. And then she just walks up to the gate, was basically like gives them the middle fingers, like, I want your leader. And then just disappears. Yeah. Just flies away. And then Mando shows up and was basically, hey, I'm a Mandalorian. And goes to kill Ahsoka Tano, quote unquote. And then they team up for some badassery. Well, he basically, so they had this like maybe minute, minute and a half fight. And then he says, I just want to talk to you. And then she says, I hope it's about him. And you just see little Grogu in the distance just looking all cute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just being adorable. And then Grogu gets on her back and they run through the woods as a backpack like in uh, episode. So anyway. Empire. Yeah. Um, So Mando asks uh, Sokotana to basically train Baby Yoda. And then she's like, that's not his name. It's not Baby Yoda or the child. It's Grogu. Mm-hmm. And Grogu's an adorable name. What did you think about that? So I was listening to kind of a spoiler cast, uh, Min Max, Ben Hansen, one of my main inspirations for podcasting. But he was talking about apparently the name Grogu just lit up the internet in flames because people were not happy with it. They hated it. And I'm like, I, it Did sounds want- very harsh as a name. Like, GR is a very harsh sound. It makes me think of gremlins. But uh, I, I don't, don't really care. Like, whether it's Grogu, we don't even know what alien race he is. I mean, that might be, like, a really hot name. I mean, like a Legolas kind of level name or like Aragorn. Well, did you want another Y name? Because that's what Ben was talking about. It's like, you have Yoda, you have Yaddle, or whatever the fuck Yoda's... Yavin. Yeah, I mean, what did you want? Some other stupid name? I wanted them not to reveal a name and just have Baby Yoda be his forever name. No, I like the Gro- I like I like the Grogu reveal, and I like how they kind of go in a different direction because the expectation or the assumption would be it's just another name that starts with Y because everyone of the Yoda race, as we'll call them, is just starts with Y. It's like no, that's let's just clear a new path, start yeah. from square one, and his name is Grogu. I just think it's adorable. It's fitting for the character. And I'm glad that they finally gave, yeah, gave him a name. Yeah, I'm glad it's short and sweet. It's not like a long, drawn-out name. I'm glad it's just Grogu, two syllables. Amidala. <laughs> yeah. uh, this his name's Mace Windu. <laughs> what? <laughs> He's Mace's brother. Um, so yeah, they um, Ahsoka Tana lies and was like, basically, yeah, I'll train you if you you help me kill this. rambunctious that was a struggle take a deep breath rambunctious leader who's just killing everyone and they team up and go into the city and yeah they they take it over ahsoka tan has a cool fight uh, against the leader and 
Mando gets a new weapon. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Um, dude, it's so nice to see Ahsoka Tano with her white lightsabers. Yeah, and I think I Rosario just, Dawson was a perfect casting for her. I thought, you know, it's no secret that Ahsoka Tano is my favorite character in Star Wars. I love kind of the rogue Jedi aspect of her entire character arc. And to see her in live action in this episode, I thought was perfect. There was nothing I would have changed. I thought the detail of her little flappy ear looking things was perfect. They weren't super long like they were in Rebels. They were I a little did bit- like the Rebels like fullness of them I, I did too but just you know based on the physicality of the scenes it would have yeah, been there's no way way too complicated to do that so um i think the sacrifice to the character design if you will to make it work in live action was perfect and i'm so excited that they <laughs> they gave us exactly or maybe they just gave me exactly what i wanted which is ahsoka's entire show yeah. a, so a show dedicated to her uh, it'll be interesting to see if they tell more of a backstory of kind of just connecting the dots between Rebels and Mando and then whatever the future of that show looks like. Mm-hmm. I just hope Dave Filoni has all rights to what that show is because if anyone is going to write and pen a great Ahsoka story, it's going to be Dave Filoni. I feel like Ahsoka is his child basically from the entirety of the Clone Wars and he knows exactly what the fans want, not only from just like a, you know, childhood fantasy, like freaking us out. We're so excited to see Luke Skywalker again, but also to like challenge the status quo of what Ahsoka would do and who she is. Yeah, because even in the episode when she's fighting the leader of that encampment mentions Thrawn. Yes. So we know in this new Ahsoka uh, series that they're creating that was in that list. It's going to tie in Rebels a ton. Man, I hope Ezra comes back because... Imagine like an older Ezra who kind of looks like his teacher, the blind guy. Mm -hmm. Um, He has facial hair. Really, all Jedis have facial hair. Um, And we get what's-his-face from Fallen Order. Jedi Fallen Order. Oh, uh, Cal. Cal, Yeah. yeah. Could you imagine those two team up like Ezra finds Cal and Cal finds Ahsoka and then dude I I think you have the potential to tie in a lot of these new well thought out kind of storylines and weave them into what they're doing moving forward but I I agree is a god so you know one of the the next episodes that we'll talk about and we can probably just get into it and fast forward but I loved when you know Grogu went to that little mount and he was kind of meditating and you know calling out to another jedi because that's kind of the quest that ahsoka sent him on yeah or sent mando on was like he needs to go here and if a jedi hears him they will respond and come train him and what have you my thought going into that episode was he's gonna do his meditation thing and ezra's gonna answer the call yeah i was thinking ezra or cal yeah because it had to had to be someone that hardcore Star Wars fans would get a rise out of and it yeah. would just really excite them. But also, I hate to use the word like passive Star Wars watcher, but just someone that has uh, just the blockbuster movie comes out in the summer or for Star Wars, the holiday. And it's just like all their friends are going to see it. So they just go see it. But they don't have like as invested interest as someone like you and I that live and breathe Star Wars. Yeah. But it would excite them too. And I think someone like Cow some random dude with red hair comes in the scene. They're just like, it, it might the, be a deeper that? cut than like an Ezra who's had, yeah, I mean, 
you learn of Cal through a video game, which is a smaller market than like the Star Wars, let's turn on Netflix. Um, so I could see Ezra being a lot easier, but I, I really love the route that they end up. The route taking. that they went was universally like, yeah, let's just like, please okay, everyone. <laughs> I, I've seen him before once or twice. Um, yeah, so I mean, going into the, the nat- that next episode, Grogu's meditating on a rock, and then they see a ship come down, and you're like, "Hey, Grogu, we gotta go." And Mando goes to protect Grogu and scope it out. And runs into ba 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 Boba Fett. Oh, dude, what a cool moment! And also brought back the sniper girl from the first season that mm-hmm. we thought. I think Mando left for dead. Fennec, I think. Something like that. Yeah, is her name. So yeah, that was a ton of fun to see Boba just wrecking havoc um, with his like staff. And then, I mean, similar to like what you said before. I mean, my ca- comparison was as if Sauron got the ring back and all of that ultra super saiyan power just magically came back to him. I mean, the moment he went and put on his armor and then entered the scene again, it was my mind was completely blown because Boba Fett is one of those characters that he's a cult classic. He's a favorite of so many ca- uh, fans of the original trilogy. Yeah. But if you go back and watch those movies, I mean, he probably has like maybe three minutes of on-screen time in Empire. You see him in the cantina scene, I think, at one point. He takes away rock-hard uh, Han Solo in Kryptonite or whatever. Night. Yeah, and then in Return of the Jedi, he goes out like a little bitch and he just falls in the Sarlacc pit because yeah. a blind Han Solo knocks him in. Yeah. You know, and so it's like there was so much opportunity with that character and his backstory and where he went after the possibility of him surviving the Sarlacc pit. And I love that they're exploring that here. Yeah, me too. I think the only time we've seen live action, a Mandalorian fight was a uh, Jango Fett. Oh yeah, that's right. In attack of the clones, which what yeah. a great movie that was. Man. And when Boba Fett used that charge that like, turns blue and then just explodes after it silences the world (laughs) i was so happy because i love that sound it was like and like that's where he was fighting obi-wan in i think episode two in the asteroid belt and he's just blowing shit up and then everything goes silent it just rips through the asteroids and when Django or boba fett used that to take out some of the tie fighters i I think it's in a couple episodes or an episode from this but like i think it was a season finale was it? It might have been. Yeah. But, oh, God, I was so excited for that. I was just like, no, I think it was the next episode with Bill Burr oh, where yeah. they're trying to escape. That's right. And, yeah, I, I love that. It's just wild to me that they can have all of these cameos. And I've already mentioned it, but I just have to keep continue to reiterate it, how they can bring all of these old characters back, mix with the new, and it just feels so right. Yeah. It just doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel fisted, Ryan. It doesn't feel fisted <laughs> it, in. It's hard to fist in some of those characters. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, bringing back Palpatine. I think that felt a little fisted. A little fisted, yeah. A little sheathed. It didn't really need to yeah, be. Yeah, and like, I know we met a new cast of characters in the, the new sequels. Yay. But like seeing, our, it's like seeing old friends. What does the Girl Scout say? Making new friends is like silver and keeping the old is like gold or something like that. Yeah, I think that was a quote from the Golden Girls. Make new friends, but keep the old. Some are silver and the others gold. I think that's how it went. It actually is. That's like the Girl Scout motto. No, and I think, you know, the cool thing too, going back to the retconning of 
specifically The Last Jedi, and I think really just the sequel trilogy as a whole, I think the direction of some of our fan favorite characters from our childhood, specifically Luke Skywalker, and where the direction they're going now with The Mandalorian, because I presume we're going to see more of Luke in season three, it just makes me so happy. And I think trying to break the mold of something that's already so special just doesn't make sense to me like give the fans what they want which is luke skywalker in his black robes with his green lightsaber like we yeah. saw in return of the jedi that we wanted in the fucking last jedi but we didn't get it to go in the throne room just murder snoke go crazy as master luke skywalker but we didn't get it we got a taste of it here in the season finale of the mandalorian season two but i think also they're just doing so many things that aren't traditional to Star Wars. And I think blending those two is what was lacking in the sequel trilogy. You know, nods to the old characters that we love so much. I think they did Han Solo really well in Force Awakens. And I think Leia's character was well represented in the three movies as well. Uh, I don't know about Han Solo, but yeah. What do you mean in Force Awakens? I mean, he had the humor that you expected from Han Solo. Yeah, but as far as the character development, he, he reverted back to his old ways. Going out of the last movie... I don't know. It, it, it reverted basically to a new hope level of Han Solo, whereas coming out of the final movie where he had bonded with Leia, he had changed and grown as a character. Well, I think a lot of that had to do with Harrison Ford not even wanting to be in the movie to begin with. I mean, he wanted written out of Star Wars after Empire. So Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, all, all of that to say... I just think The Mandalorian is so good because it caters to what the fans have been clamoring for for years while also taking it in new directions. Yeah, I completely agree. So, I guess the next episode, 15, one before the finale, uh, is a side quest um, dealing with getting the coordinates to find where Gus is chilling in space. Yep. Yeah, so they end up grabbing Bill Burr, which I didn't expect to see again. Um, I think the last time we saw him, we were meeting Mando's old friends who he had wronged. Definitely a welcome surprise. Kill him in the prison. Yeah, definitely a welcome surprise. Yeah, I mean, the more I actually really liked his growth as a character throughout this episode. He went from what we had seen him previously, which I think they backstabbed Mando, Mm -hmm. to someone once you understood who he was as a character infiltrating this empire base and then meeting his old captain who had sounds like genocided a population both the empire soldiers and a specific planet Mm -hmm. you understand why he bill burr guy is somewhat screwed up and then bill burr can't handle himself and shoots him in the middle of a base and um yeah they all escape and blow up that base along with after getting the coordinates. Well, one of the other key moments in this scene, too, is that in order to basically sign oh, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Pedro Pascal, we get to see his face for the first time. He removes the helmet, which is kind of like this moment of he didn't really know what to do. And he was really kind of just uh, twisted in his decision making. But he hesitantly removed his his helmet and we saw his face for the first time. And so that was a really cool moment. And I was texting one of my friends from work and she, you know, cause she, she like has like kind of a crush on him and I'm like, yeah, he's a beautiful man for one. And then two, how special would it be if he removes his helmet at some point before the season's over and shows Grogu his true face for the first time? Yeah. And 
gosh, the final moments of the season were just beyond perfect. Yeah. We got everything we could have possibly wanted, but continue. Yeah, like coming out of the episode, and I'm glad you brought that up, was the entire time Bill Burr was kind of egging him on. It was like, dude, we're in this like kind of container taking uh, this explosive. Like, I'm taking off this helmet. It's not comfortable. Why do you have it on there? And just kind of egging it on um, and kind of questioning why Mando's keeping his helmet on. And then at the end, after Bill Burr sees his face, um, as they're kind of walking out of this prison, um, he's like, hey, I'm not going to tell anyone that you took it off. Like, it's between you and me. And that's the brilliance of the character development of someone behind a mask, because that's really tough as a story writer, is like, how do we humanize this person that just lives behind this armor? Yeah. And I think that's the one of the greatest moments in Mando's character development, because he... I think he finally lives outside of the Mandalorian code. He's like, I'm trying to protect this little kid, this creature, this child, Grogu. And for the greater good and the betterment of humanity and saving Grogu, I need to remove my helmet. There's more to this stupid code than not removing it. And I think that was such a cool moment. Yeah, I think so too. And that's... That's where we kind of get into the final episode and where his entire purpose is, I don't give a shit about anything else, whether it's the Darksaber or what, all I want is to rescue this child that I've bonded with. Mm -hmm. Um, So the final episode last night, did it meet your expectations? It completely (laughs) blew my expectations out of the water, ripped off the slip of paper and spit it back in my face. Like I could have never anticipated because I figured there's got to be one more cameo. There's got to be one more thing. We've seen Ahsoka, Boba Fett's back, but there has to be maybe one more thing that really puts this season from great to an absolute masterpiece. Yeah. And cause, and they also hadn't paid off like what Yoda was doing on the rock. Exactly. So they they kind of finished out the Ahsoka arc on what they did from getting a Mandalorian to, oh shit, Mandalorians don't have anything, to, oh, find a Jedi, to the Jedi will have you contact someone who has the ability to train you, and then it kind of lefts off, let's go rescue Yoda, because he gets pulled by some dark troopers. And then, yeah, it wraps up in a nice, clean bow at the end. And one of the cool things, too, so, you know, when they're on the ship and the Mandalorian or Mando has that staff, I forget what it's made out of. uh, Bespar. Bespar Steel. Uh, When he's using that, I mean, he's quite literally piercing stormtroopers' hearts. Yeah. Breaking their necks, strangling them to death. I mean, it was a brutal scene, and it just shows the lengths he was willing to go to save Grogu. I loved it. And then when he got into the room and saw Maz Gideon, and Maz Gideon was basically like, or Mando basically pleaded his case saying, I want the the man or I want Grogu. That's all I care about. Take the Darksaber, go on your merry way. And Maz Gideon was kinda like, All right, yeah, I'll do that. And I was like, There's no way. He's just <laughs> yeah, gonna, I was like, This seems like a trap. Yeah, there's it's a trap. <laughs> there's no way he's just gonna let him off and fly away and everything's gonna be merry and well. And so as we kind of predicted, they have a scuffle, they fight. Mando ends up kind of uh removing the dark saber if you will so he no, he's no longer wielding it and yeah. that's when that kind of comes into the lore of like well if you beat someone in combat then you now have the king to the throne of mandalore because you now own the dark saber yeah, i think and he keeps he's 
what I, I really love seeing the Mandalorian with his freaking like Spartan spear on his back, walking in with like a lit dark saber. You're like, hell yeah! yeah. Like he's like new best in slot item. <laughs> yeah, it was a really awesome moment. And, and then the oh, go ahead. And then I was I was saying basically that Moss Gideon was kind of the devil on Bo-Katan's shoulder was like, you're weak. Like you're really going to accept this dark saber from Mando. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had previously accepted it from the color or the purple haired girl in rebels. But like she's at now changed as a character, whereas she's not just going to accept it being handed to her. Yeah. Cause it was a struggle to convince her previously. Mm-hmm. Now she's like, no, I can't. Yeah. No, it was a really good moment. And then, you know, the the dark troopers, they come back because previously, you know, Mando opened up the door and they kind of flew out into space. Well, now they've returned. They're about to break into the uh, the bridge. And then it, the, the camera kind of focuses on Grogu. And there's this moment of like, is someone going to randomly rescue them? Because it was like 30 to 45 seconds of them pounding the door. So you knew something was going to happen yeah. at this moment. But I didn't know what. And I will... I'll admit, like, when the X-Wing started flying in, I didn't really know for sure who it was going to be. Yeah, like, I didn't know if it was, because I didn't tie in that this could be the Jedi. I was like, is the New Republic, our friends from the previous episode, going to come in and help save them? Uh, Like, the two dudes from that Ice Spider episode. Mm -hmm. I was like, is that going to come? And then they're like, oh, it's one uh, TIE fighter. I was like... Oh, this could be something special. X-Wing. Yeah, or X-Wing. What yeah. did I say? You said TIE Fighter. <laughs> yeah. Darth Vader's going to come in and yeah. murder everyone. And no, Yeah, and then the uh, a Jedi pops out. And I was like, this is going to remind me of the, speaking of how awesome Rogue One is, the final scene where mm. Darth Vader is just running down a hallway or yep. walking down a hallway like a badass just killing everything. And that that's what happens. It's this cloaked figure um and i i picked up on the the black that he wore mm-hmm. and not so much from episode eight but there were i think only two jedi besides some of like uh bears Offie and stuff who wore black robes anakin being kind of the exception to the main kind of gray white or uh brown and white mm-hmm. and i was like there's no way it could be anakin and then i didn't put together that like fucking luke is still in the timeline well that's the thing that i think i struggled with in this moment is like maybe it's obi-wan but it's like no obi-wan's dead at this point like i didn't really know where we were at in the timeline so my <laughs> mind was just going through all of star wars lore it's like is it gonna be obi-wan there's no way it's luke is it gonna be ezra from rebels and i'm like I di- he had a green lightsaber he did so i was kind of convinced it was him but then as the scene continued and i was waiting for the, the luke skywalker theme to play yeah. As he was going through this hallway, but it never did until he removed the cloak and then the Luke Skywalker theme played. And I want to say it was Mark Hamill who was actually voicing him, too. I hope it was. I think it was because I think he got a credit for it in the episode. Oh, you're right. He actually did. And he actually went to Twitter and posted something last night and said, see anything interesting on TV lately? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which... Mark Fucking Hamill, Mark when he when he got the call from John Favreau, and John Favreau probably read through the script or he sent him the script, I'm sure Mark was just delighted to see that they took the direction of his character in the way that Mark wanted it, 
because he knows Luke Skywalker better than anyone. Yeah. And when he probably read the script of Ryan Johnson, I mean, he's been vocal in saying that's not Luke Skywalker. That's not how Luke would have gone out. That's not how Luke would have carried himself. Yeah. I mean, say what you will about The Last Jedi, but if the actor who's portraying that character is like, no, I know him better than anyone. I mean, he's been the character for, what, 30 years? 40 years, 1977. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you talk about actors who become the characters that they play, and I'm sure that's very easy to do in such a big franchise. Um like, especially Lord of the Rings, you could become Legolas or Aragorn after walking around with a sword, walking around with a lightsaber for X amount of hours of your life. I'm sure to see your character done dirty, like The Last Jedi, I could see that being hard, but this is kind of a redemption of the character to be like, that's what he was in the original scripts of that George Lucas wrote, was not some emo dude off in like some island but a caring jedi master yeah the the best there ever was yeah no he really is and then the fact that he was answering the call of grogu taking the child and saying i'll train him he's powerful with the force or he's Mm -hmm. strong with the force and then so many gut punches because i'm already like melting as a star wars fan seeing luke skywalker remove his robe but then also the moment we we kind of teased earlier when he kind of removes his helmet and has this sentimental bonding moment with Grogu and is like it basically it's gonna be okay. Yeah, when I saw that, well, because he originally reaches up and sees the helmet, I was like, please remove your helmet, <laughs> please. Like that's what he wants to see before he leaves, and then he does. I was like, oh yes. And then when he touched his face too, like his like you like, know five oh. o'clock shadow, it was just so special. And I loved how Luke too was like. He needs your permission before I can take him. Yeah. You he you need to kind of relinquish the child owning rights or whatever yeah. to him for me to basically move on with training him. And the Mando Mando knew that this is this is the way. Like yeah. this is what I have to do. I have to let him go and allow Master Luke Skywalker Skywalker to train him. And this is where things get really interesting. And I don't want to go too down the path here because we'll talk for hours if um if we want to but where the story goes from here and then how how this will play into the sequel story because if luke does train grogu this is like a butterfly effect into the future of star wars yeah i i don't know where they go from here um i don't so they have ahsoka the the it's her own series so that takes into account the Thrawn kind of portion. Mm-hmm. It takes in the Ezra Bridger and those kind of open ends. Yep. Is there a Mandalorian specific one or is the new kind of main quest as, I mean, they could do a time jump where we meet Grogu who's actually able to talk and like teenage angsty Grogu. That'd be crazy. Or I, I think the main new quest is Mando has now taken off his helmet. He's no longer Death Watch. He's part of the culture. He's grown as a character. And he's now going to... I mean, he has the Darksaber. He's going to help liberate his homeworld, or Bo-Katan's homeworld, of Mandalore. Mm -hmm. And it could be an arc of... As uh, Grogu's leveling up in the wilderness, training against some Weedles on Route One. Oh yeah, Mando's liberating 
uh, his home world. And I think that would be a cool way to take it unless they have a Mando-specific uh, series already planned, then for Mandalorian, I have no idea. But I, I think if this Mandalorian is the Mandalorian series, then, and Bo-Katan doesn't have her own thing, then this is it. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly don't really have any real predictions. I kind of want to just, as the audience members, sit back because I have so much trust in Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni and where they're going to take the future of Star Wars. But to bring Luke Skywalker back was just an answer to all of my childhood fantasies that I wanted in the sequel trilogy, particularly in The Last Jedi, because that was Luke's movie that was meant to be um, kind of the end of his character arc over the course of eight or not eight movies to that point and 40 years of Star Wars. And and for me personally, it just didn't do it for me. That's not the Luke that I grew up with. And that it, I, it's definitely not the Luke that I wanted my kids to, to grow up with, you know? Yeah, and at least there are so many stories that happen between... I mean, Luke is just... An, there's so much lore and crazy villains that they fight between where he is now rescuing Grogu... And where he ends up in The Last Jedi. Yeah. And they don't need a retcon The Last Jedi because in my I've decanonized it already in my mind mentally. But like they have some crazy villains that you can see if they're going to go. I don't know if they want to do the CG route because it, some of the CG for Luke's face was it looked good. But it was not, a little jarring. Yeah. I'd use the guy who was Bucky in Star Wars. If you thousand percent. Yes. Yeah. So. Bring him on. You can still use... I mean, Luke's going to sound a little different, but he looks exactly like... Whatever. Luke. After one episode of The Mandalorian or whatever, if they do a side story with Luke, I'll get over it. Yeah. Uh, what I would... Depending on how deep... I mean, if they did a Luke Skywalker fucking series, oh my the internet would be on fire. It'd be so good. Yeah. But like... There's the Yuvon Vong, I think is one of the main kind of villains. Yuvon Vong? Something like that. Some alien race from the Outer Realm that Luke fights against. And there's also, which would be insane, because you get to see a bunch of other Sith. Um, it's So you know the, the father, the son, and the daughter? Mm-hmm. Those gods yep. of the dark side. They also had like a mother who... There's like the the well of knowledge and the well of power or something like that. And she was a mortal and she went in both of them. And she ends up becoming this corrupted, like just this overwhelming, consuming darkness. And in the arc, Luke and a bunch of Sith Lords, along with the new Jedi that he's helped train up, have to team up to try to kill this overwhelming darkness. Oh my gosh. So think of if Luke gets his own series and they can go into some of these, what, Jara or Mara Jade kind mm-hmm. of storylines. It would be so good. The, the possibilities are definitely endless, and I just hope they take advantage of that. Certainly while, while Mark is still alive, just because I have so much sympathy for him, you know, seeing where things went. I think yeah. he's gotta be tremendously satisfied with them bringing his character back holding the green lightsaber i mean just seeing how like i mean mark when he was first cast as luke i mean he was just a boy i mean he was just a young kid and so like to see where it's gone and seeing this entire new generation grow up and see the luke skywalker that people did 40 years ago has got to be just tremendously satisfying 
just on a on a professional level. Yeah, you know, and I think, I mean, as we were talking about, you become those characters after a while, and you want them to grow and to be the character that you've helped facilitate over forty years. And I mean, I think for the Ahsoka episode, George Lucas was on set. I know for some of the Mandalorian episodes, George Lucas was on set. Mm-hmm. And I don't think George... I mean, George Lucas didn't show up for the, the final episode's premiere because he just... He didn't... I don't know if he showed up for The Last Jedi, but I know he didn't sit r- The Rise of Skywalker. I don't blame so. him. But to come back and... it, I don't know. It shows a new level of trust between... Disney, Star Wars, and George Lucas for him to be like, I'll come back and help and watch and enjoy. Because he was part of the Clone Wars and Rebels time period. And if I could, you know, if I had a time turner, if I could turn back time, I think the best scenario is the sequel trilogy never happened after they purchased Star Wars. And it never would have worked like this because they needed the blockbuster films to... For whatever make reason. Make up the $4 billion. Make up, yeah, the $4 billion they spent. But if Mandalorian came first, and then that led into a sequel trilogy, where then they continued, and again, with Carrie Fisher's passing, it would have been an impossibility. But if yeah. that would have tied or led into a sequel trilogy, where you kind of had the foundation of where these characters were leading up to this, and then they did a fast forward, you introduce Grogu. He's part of that cinematic universe yeah. now. That would have been phenomenal. And I, and you had John Favreau and Dave Filoni directing all three of those films. Yeah, no, it's it's what could have been, and you can't retcon now, like you said, because of Kara Fisher, and um, all the actors are getting kind of old, and I don't see Disney. It would basically be admitting to what they did as being bad. And I think they kind of indirectly said, like, hey, yeah, we didn't have a plan, which kind of sucks. But I don't know. You could always remake them, but you'd have to do face. I don't think they'll do any of that. I think they'll very, in a roundabout way, just retcon the decision making and the character arcs that were portrayed in the sequel trilogy without actually saying that it's no longer canon. Yeah, and even if they do, like, a Luke spinoff where they show him up until the first episode or where they're putting in puzzle pieces to find Luke. If everything up until that point with this new kind of lore or episodes that we see are amazing and the Luke that we know Luke to be before they left fielded him, Mm -hmm. I'd be happy. Yeah, me too. I'm so excited for the future of Star Wars. I think it was so refreshing to see my Twitter feed not lighting up Ryan Johnson or complaining about how directionless the sequel trilogy was, but just celebrating how special Star Wars is. I mean, that's what it always was meant to be, was to bring fans together and just gush about our mutual love for this world and these characters and lightsabers and blasters and stormtroopers and Darth Vader. Like, we love this stuff. And to see the fan base so divided over this trilogy, but then to unite once again after the season finale aired, man, refreshing is the best word yeah, I can I mean, use. There's no need to blame the fans for being toxic or haters on shitty scripts when you can see how much they love things that actually do the like that are written by people who care about the IP as a whole mm-hmm. and care about this universe that's been created over 40 years. 
I mean, we I think we stated in our Skywalker review is or Last Jedi review that no one is as critical as the fans of Star Wars, or no one mm-hmm. is as vocal or hate as much as the people who care about it so deeply. Um, but to, yeah, to see the community come together and be like, "Holy shit, this was a lot of fun!" I loved the second season and seeing Luke come back as Luke. Yeah. Um, well, what I need to do now is go and watch uh, Star Wars theories reacts. Because I want to see him, yeah. because I think he's been very vocal too about the sequel trilogy and being directionless and yada yada, but to see him react, because he grew up like us with the prequels, but also obviously a tremendous love I, for I saw a snip of it. original you're trilogy. Gonna, you're going to be happy watching that one. Yeah, no, I'll have to go back and watch that. Because he lime-streamed it to like 40,000 people. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. That's so awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely have to watch it. But I don't know, Ryan, before we wrap things up, you know, any final words about The Mandalorian? No, I'm. I, I think we said it already, but I, I'm excited to see what they do with Star Wars. Whether it's the new Mandalorian route to rescue Mandalore, um, whether it's Luke being Luke, um, or just a new series for him, and then Ahsoka. There's there's so many open plot lines that they could give a send off or some good quality viewing to the fans yeah and from what we've seen in this season it's it gives me hope yep i agree completely super pumped about the future of star wars i sound like a broken record but i can't say it enough coming away from the sequel trilogy how truly excited i am about the future of star wars but because because season one happened before the final episode of the sequel right Mm, i think so. And this is the first kind of star wars we've seen after rise yeah skywalker yeah it, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with where they're going. Me too, man. Star Me. Wars cares about Star Wars again. It's nice to see. So definitely get in the Discord. If you uh, have watched season two and you're still listening to this episode, I hope you've already watched season two by this point. And let us know your thoughts, you know, whether or not you think the future of Star Wars is going to be great or whether you think we should stick to the creative uh, endeavors of The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker and the sequel trilogy. I'm actually really curious where people are at with all of that. And uh, yeah, you can write us at otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Even if it's not Star Wars related, we'd love to hear from you. We love audio questions. We haven't done a call out for those, but I think we will be doing that here in the Discord for episode 99 for our holiday special before we do the uh, Game of the Year awards uh, for episode 100. So definitely, if you've not submitted your selections for those five unique awards, please, please, please do that. You can find it on our Twitter feed. It is pinned to our profile, otaku underscore bros underscore pod. Just click that link, submit your selections. We'd love to hear from you. We will be reading those on episode 100. And you can also find it on the Discord. There's a specific channel dedicated to the Community Game of the Year awards. But with that being said, we want to thank everyone for listening to this episode, for continuing to light up the Discord with lots of fun discussions. Again, if you're not in there, click the, the link in the show notes. And uh, as I always do at the end of every episode of this podcast, I turn it back to my co-host and ask him if he has any parting words for our listeners. Ryan. Yeah, oh fuck. We forgot to talk about uh, King Boba Fett. Yeah, I was going to mention it, but I figured if I did, it would lead you to like another 10-minute discussion. So. Okay, well, shit. So, I guess end of this, as of... This is kind of our post-credits <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, join the Discord, all that jazz, but also... 
Boba Fett was in the post credit scene where he just went through Javas's or Javas's Javas. Jarvis's from uh, Marvel. Uh, Jawas, Jar, the dude, the fat dude, <laughs> slug thing, his palace killed everyone, and now he's the new uh, slug lord. So, I'm also excited. Uh, hopefully, he gets a series. Have a good week. Stay safe and all that jazz. But go watch some more Star Wars. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Okay, bye.